On the recent Getting Smart Town Hall, we were joined by NGLC to discuss their recent report focused on what comes after a school district adopts a portrait of a graduate. We also featured two of the educators highlighted in the report, not to mention countless others in our audience who are doing important work on the subject. These districts have all been hard at work on aligning to their portrait and ensuring that it is a living, breathing document. They shared some great ideas for how to keep revisiting, revising, and ensuring that it is relevant to all stakeholders. All right, hope you enjoy it. Good afternoon and good morning, depending on where you all are joining us. Um, I'm Victoria Andrews, and we are so grateful to have you guys here with us today on our Getting Smart Town Hall, where we're going to focus on portrait of a graduate in practice. I'm joined by a pretty great um, all-girl band. Uh, we have a great crew here today, um, but helping me facilitate this conversation, we have um, Rebecca Middles, and we are part of the learning design team here at Getting Smart. Um, we're going to focus on, like Mason said, we've covered quite a, uh, a couple of times portrait of a graduate here at Getting Smart. So we're going to talk about how is it living and breathing and how is it impacting students. Um, we're going to look at some portrait of a graduate work by NextGen and some of the schools and campuses that they've worked with. And then we have an amazing opportunity to talk with um, someone that's doing work on a statewide level, and then how do we keep the momentum going with Portrait of a Graduate? So I'd like to formally introduce you guys to our guest today. We've got Kristen Voigt, and she is with the Knowledge Manage. She's the Knowledge Management Officer at NextGen, and we've got Brandy Howard. She's the Chief Academic Officer with Bullitt County Public Schools, and then we have Andy Kornowski. She is the Charter Director of Kettle Moraine out in Wisconsin. And then we have the Chief Innovative Officer in Janine Collins, and she is from Nevada. And so again, super excited about our all-girl band and knowledge and expertise here. So we're gonna kick it off with talking with um, Kristen. You've been with NextGen for a while, and I would just love to hear about what does it really mean to you to practice and creating um, the opportunity for the portrait of a graduate to come to life? Yeah, thank you. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, it's really great to be here. Um, I think, uh, you know, I, I think it's more important probably to hear from the other folks on this all-girl band than from me. Um, because you know our role really has been just to collect the stories um, from the sites that have been doing this work to be able to share it out with others um, and uh, so that uh, you know we can learn from each other and grow this practice and really make sure that all of the youth in all of our communities have the learning experiences that they need and deserve to be able to to thrive in the world that they're living in now. Um, I think that's to me the most important thing. Uh, it's a lot of work to, to create a portrait of a graduate that a community rallies around. Um, and then it's a whole nother thing entirely to then say what happens next? What do we do now that we have this graduate portrait? What does learning look like when it's designed specifically and intentionally to help young people develop the skills that are in uh, you know, their portrait? I'm so glad that you touched on that point about this, the students, the young people, because we'll highlight that. And it's highlighted in the report how some people, um, and this is, you know, we have best of intentions, we get excited and then we just start going down that path. But then, hey, who are we creating this for? And are we creating it for them? Or are we creating it alongside them? Um, and so making sure that that student voice is there and not just in like, hey, we created this for you, but hey, let's let's hear what do you want to learn? What are the competencies? What do you think is going to be impactful to you beyond your life um, in K through 12 with us? Um, so can you speak to any of the commonalities that anybody that hasn't had a chance to look at the report should um, that you guys highlighted? Sure. Yeah. Um, I want to say I want to say one thing about involving the learners before I do that, because I, I think there are many examples where um, school systems have created something like a graduate profile or a portrait of a graduate 
And then they've gone back and recreated it and included students in the conversation and in the development work. So we know of several examples where, uh, where that happened. Um, and that was necessary work um, to really involve learners from the very beginning. And I think the next step of what does the learning experience look like involving learners at that, at that point as well, so that they are, um, you are designing with uh, and not just for. So, um, so the Portrait of a Graduate in Practice um, series uh, was developed and, and put together by uh, colleagues at Next Generation Learning Challenges to um, to really try and and get at this, um, try and come up with examples of you know what does learning look like uh, when it is designed to help students learn the skills in a portrait of a graduate. Um, and uh, we, in partnership with the Bar Foundation, you know, identified several school systems that are that are actively doing this work and and doing it really well. And we looked, we tried to look for. Uh, diversity across region of the country and uh, type of school, um, type of school system, uh, uh, you know, rural and urban, um, so that we could share that this kind of amazing work that folks like Brandy and Andy um, and Janine are doing is happening, you know, and can happen anywhere and everywhere and, and should happen everywhere um, so that all of our learners have have this kind of opportunity. Um, and so really our, our perspective was to share that, you know, these, these sites are doing great work. There's really great tools and resources that you can look to and see. Um, and it's inspiration, you know, to kind of keep pushing forward because um, this is the important work that we all need to be doing. Um, so there are multimedia stories. We have podcasts as well as uh, PDF documents. Um, I can, uh, put in the chat if it hasn't already been put in there a link to where the stories are uh, because you could go down a rabbit hole and get really lost in them. Um, there's there's a bunch of firsthand narratives and I think that's the most important things because you'll hear directly from the folks in Kettle Marine and Bullock County uh, as well as Northern Cass in North Dakota, Da Vinci Schools in California and Lindsay Unified in California as well. Um, from learners to teachers to others uh, and get their perspectives on what it's really like on the ground doing this work. Oh yeah, and it has been shared in the chat already. So um, we're huge fans of Northern Cass here at Getting Smart as well as the other schools that are featured here. So if you haven't had a chance, definitely check that out. Um, and I'd like to, as you mentioned, some people that have actually been in the work. So let's talk with Andy. Um, just hearing about your work that you uh, out at Cal Moraine and then some of the ways that Portrait or Graduate is living, breathing out there. Great, thank you, Victoria. So, and welcome everyone. I had the opportunity over the past year to work with district stakeholders, both families, students, educators to work on what we kind of look at as Graduate Profile 2.0, where we've created a continuum for how do we have learners self-reflect on where they are in these different areas of the graduate profile. We felt that the piece that was missing was a tool that was specifically focused on the learners. So how can the learners self-assess? How can they set goals as a vehicle to then have them help identify in their work evidence of meeting different areas of the graduate profile? How the graduate profile has come to life has looked different depending upon the learning environment that you're in. I think one of the things that we learned is that implementing it in an advisory period is not enough because yeah. that's not where the magic happens within the graduate profile. The graduate, that's where some of the magic happens, but a lot of it happens in the learning experiences that are facilitated in classrooms. Some of it happens outside of the school day that our learners would present evidence from. So that was kind of one of the pieces that we learned along the way with implementing the graduate profile. And then what it looks like today, uh, it has transitioned and become a, an integral part of student portfolios in KM Global. So we're asking our learners to identify evidence towards these different pieces 
throughout their journey that they're with us for the four years that they're in KM Global. And we're asking them to identify what, what is your favorite part about your evidence? Um, we like to use the what, so what, now what framework. So we have them reflect and tell us what is the piece of evidence, so what, now what, what have you learned from it? Um, so that is a piece that we've had learners self-assess on the continuum, and this year it's going to be integrated into their portfolios. Oh, Andy, I love that. Like you have me getting all the goosebumps, portfolio, continuum, you're saying all of my, you're checking off all my bingo boards, uh, squares, just knowing that students get the opportunity to reflect on a continuum. Another favorite word, not favorite word, but opportunity for students. Some may be further along on that continuum as others, but everybody has access so that if I am the advanced student, then I'm you know, still working towards those same competencies. But also if I may not have had as much exposure or as much support, then I, there's still an on-ramp for me to join. And so that can land where I need to with everybody else. So thank you so much for sharing that. We're also huge Kettle Moraine fans. Um, if you've listened to any of our Getting Smart podcasts, we've highlighted that school and the work and uh, the district rather, and the work that's being done out there. So um, we often reference the, the structure of your portrait of a graduate too, as a, a stellar example too. So we're going to go to, um, let's go down to Kentucky and talk with Brandy and have a brief conversation. Now, what I love about Brandy is that you've been along this portion of a graduate process because you were, um, because of your several roles as a teacher, instructional coordinator, and then now in your current role. So if you can speak to that process and then even loop back into what Kristen was mentioning of how it's an iterative process. It's not just something that's one and done. Absolutely. So um, our journey with the graduate profile started in 2016. Um, at that time, we got a new assistant superintendent who was very passionate about the learning experience of students. So she reached out to our most recent graduates and did interviews with them. And, and what came out of that was that they needed more preparation for life. And then that kind of sparked the conversation around the graduate profile. And at that time, I was in the classroom. Um, a year later, I became an instructional coach. And during that time, our assistant superintendent and our superintendent um, had created different feedback committees. So there was parents, students, um, teachers, community members. They even went to the chamber. It was a two-year process to create our graduate profile. So it was every time they got more feedback, it truly was an iterative process. Um, and then when I became instructional coach, it came to us and we were able to give feedback um, from the instructional lens. Um, the year after that, I became a principal. So it was really cool for me to see how it had been changed throughout that journey and then be able to implement it in the current form that it's in right now. Um, and now as the CAO, I actually work with our teacher cohorts. So we have three different cohorts each year of the graduate profile since 2019, we have had a cohort of teachers that have spent a year learning alongside NGLC, really diving into each of our competencies within the graduate profile and um, what each of those indicators within it really mean and how to bring that to life in their classrooms. Um, so that's kind of our journey and how I've been a part of that. And I know that some of it is mentioned in the report and some of the podcasts, but can you talk a little bit about what does that look like, um, knowing that the teachers, the various teacher cohorts, is there like a level of autonomy that's similar to what um, Andy has mentioned or, but just could you share more about what that looks like in action? Yeah, absolutely. So um, each year at the beginning of the year, our assistant superintendent just sends out a flyer about it. If you'd like to learn more about the graduate profile, and she personally calls people that are interested in that and that reach out, teachers that reach out about it, just to talk about what the time commitment's like. And um, throughout that year, they not only work alongside NGLC, but we have design sessions each month too. So after they have the professional learning, then we work with our co-op um, and the teachers come and we help them design units or lessons. Um, and then the next month they learn the next competency. And so it really is a year long process that ends with teacher exhibitions that our principals, our community members can come to and see what our teachers have learned within that year and how they're implementing that and bringing it to life in their classrooms. 
Awesome. And I'm, we're also wanting to address, like I mentioned, some questions that are in the chat. And so I can open this up to um, Brandy or um, Andy. And then Janine, we haven't gotten to you just yet, but I know that you'll be able to chime in on this too. Um, Jim says um, he's found that sometimes the portrait of a graduate skills are difficult to fit into, you know, the expected uh, state standards or their rigid traditional structure delivery model wise. Um, what are some instructional design models that free the time and space to develop these skills without abandoning the core knowledge? I can speak a little bit to that. Um, so each month we have what's called our CCILT and we collaborate with community members and we have someone who's in our graduate profile come in and talk to that. And one of our teachers said it the best way I've ever heard it. She said, for me, my standards are the what I teach but the graduate profile is how I teach it. And that's really how she determines her lesson plans and the units and the experiences that she's gonna have for kids. And that was something else that she talked about was when I stopped looking at it as daily lessons and started looking at it as an experience for students, really focused on one or two of the graduate profile um, indicators or competencies. She said, that is when I started being able to make that instructional design shift. Um, because we really encourage teachers, don't try to do all of the competencies at one time, really try just to do one and build your capacity by doing one at a time. Andy, I see you're shaking your head in um, agreement. Anything else you want to add to that? I would just add that it's got to be, as teachers are planning the experiences, it has to be planned alongside the content standards and knowledge that we're doing. The other thing is revisiting and looking at the structures that you currently have in place. Things that we've implemented are semester long inquiry projects. And as you look at the graduate profile, that hits a lot of them along the way in a very, in a very easy fashion. Um, the other piece is we've transitioned from just content area units to interdisciplinary units. And as we've done that and made that shift, that has helped us open the door as well for those, for the skills to be embedded directly in our learning experiences. Thanks guys. Um, Jim, thank you for that question. I wanna circle back to this when we have um, some open dialogue towards the end. I know that um, Brandy, you mentioned that you guys started by speaking to the graduates first. So it's like, if we think about what would graduates either this year or even the year before, given all that has changed with artificial intelligence and that shift, how would those, how would particular, how do particular competencies address that? And then how can they, how can uh, different portraits of a graduates amend or make shifts and pivots to address the what's happening in the current, um, like just landscape of workforce and skills and knowledge. So we'll come back to that, but just if you start thinking about that in the back of your mind. I'd like to next talk with Janine Collins, who is with Ed Extraordinaire in Nevada. And she is working on, again, a statewide initiative for a portrait of a Nevada learner. And this is a, and if you aren't following her on Twitter already, please do so because it, you are actually seeing the process live and in action. So Janine, can you speak to more about this? Yeah, absolutely, Victoria. Uh, great to be here today. Um, uh, so yes, I, I work inside Ad Extraordinary. It's a, 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 a Nevada-based organization, um, and we're partnering with the Nevada Department of Education to build the statewide portrait of a Nevada learner. And we started that process back at the end of uh, back at the end of October in 2022. And so we're early in this work. And, um, you know, I think we've had the benefit of being able to watch and look and learn from other states, but also other districts and schools that are looking at different ways in which they're bringing their portrait uh, to life. And we also had the benefit of districts across our state um, already having started some of that work. And so there was a real opportunity, I think, to um, expand that conversation about what Nevada learners really need, as many of uh, my colleagues have said on this call, to thrive in a very rapidly evolving world. Um, Victoria, do you want me to, I could, I could share very briefly, if you would like me to, um, my screen and just kind of go through this process real quick with you, because it is so... Um, <laughs> It did just happen. And um, we actually just shared a whole bunch of learning last week. So uh, 
our, our portrait process started back in um, October and we were able to gather Nevadans from different walks of life, from educators and young people. We had some policymakers, um, education adjacent advocates, um, uh, parents and families in a room in Nevada, in Las Vegas over two days to really be, kick off this conversation about the future of learning work at a state level. Um, we were able to host a series of virtual conversations and uh, with those virtual conversations, that initial data and some data analysis put sort of a visualization of um, what we were hearing from Nevadans together. And this is what we call draft one. And uh, we started with questions because we knew that part of our build process was going to be engaging educators across our state to actually start piloting uh, some of this learner-centered work um, to align things that they were already doing with this work um, and to help us better understand what it would mean in Nevada and also what these trades and these attributes might look like in action and what the implications of having this could be for schools. And so as we moved into that process January through April, we were able to um, put another round of surveys out to have people respond to the draft visualization. We were able to have lots of different community conversations virtually and in person. Um, we had young people engaged in a learning fellowship where they were able to kind of unpack what the future of learning meant to them and have them sort of become um, not just spokespeople, but really uh, people informing like in a very real way like what school needs to look like for them to uh, succeed and to care about their learning and uh, then we were able to take the piloting process that we did alongside um, uh, all of this community feedback and sort of pull it together into an updated set of questions and and descriptors and um, I think what I would love to just share is that and I think you know my colleagues pushed on this. How do we help young people reflect on their learning? How do we make sure that it's actionable? And I think from the outset, we knew that we didn't have a lot of clarity, but we were going to ask educators to start playing with this work. And so the concept of using questions really emerged for us because questions invite us to make meaning, right? And so we knew we were in this meaning-making process. And I think what resonated in surveys and conversations and then the actual piloting of this draft portrait work was we, we kept the questions. Um, the community really wanted those. They thought they were really actionable. They thought they were um, helpful to make it reflective. And while certainly um, the way we might ask some of these questions might look different based on the age of a learner, uh, these concepts can live in really authentic ways for a learner at any age. And so um, this is where we've literally just kind of like pulled this together at the beginning of June. I think we just finished this statewide portrait. And what we were able to do was present to our district superintendents and leadership teams across Nevada the work that about 50 educators and 13 school teams have done across Nevada over a four-month period just to start looking at what does this mean to me? What does this mean to us? How do we connect this with our learning communities? And this is such important data, right? Because we're seeing the very different um, entry points that people have towards the portrait. Um, we have a community in Mineral County that was going through a, a kind of a sense of transformation of purpose. And this portrait they talked about and showed the ways in which the portrait helped them norm up on these culture conversations and how they wanted to pull in some of the diversity of the teachers that they had in their community and some of the native languages that exist in their community to make that a part of their um, their uh, the way that they focus on learning and teaching. And we've been really lucky because we've been able to engage rural communities. We have a school on um, a reservation in northern Nevada um, and some of our um, you know, our uh, our schools in Clark County, which is the fifth largest school district in the country. And all these educators were able to come together and talk about what this already means to them. So I think what was really powerful is that as we're starting to build the competencies, 
we're actually already seeing them in action <laughs> and we're already able to understand like yes we have these descriptors and we're starting to see at different grade levels what that means what that could mean and i think it really just invites a deeper faster level of iteration on this work as my colleagues have said it's a living document um and i think sometimes that's challenging for folks because <laughs> we have like this is the goal and we're going to meet it and now we're in this sort of co-creative community process where we're getting feedback from business community members and they're making sense of what collaboration communication means and and we're really trying to move in the next leg of this work um, a, a community-wide conversation about learning and how these traits and these questions and these attributes really live inside all of our, our community spaces. And we'll start exploring those connections uh, that are happening in schools and in our community over the next year. I think it's just, I like the approach, love the approach of doing questions because those can, like you mentioned, they just challenge both teachers, even the stakeholders of like, how is this showing up? How can I support this effort? And it's just a departure too from what we normally know um, as or how their uh, portrait of a graduates are normally structured. So I'm going to go to the chat because there it is a buzz and it is a buzz with great information and they have some great questions. So um, I know that we, I'm going to go back to um, Andy, but I feel like Janine, you can chime in on this as well about, can you share some more thoughts about using portrait of a graduate outside of the classroom? I think you mentioned some of something lightly in the chat, but also Janine, how do you um, support portrait of a graduate living and breathing when it's a state effort? What does that look like? So I, let's go Andy and then Janine, go ahead. Thanks, Victoria. Um, the first piece I would mention is think about what your graduation requirements are in terms of the courses and things you're asking your learners to do. In some of our environments here in the Kettle Marine School District, we have field experience that is built in as graduation credits. So some of our learners are out in the field exploring career paths. They're doing job shadows. They're creating LinkedIn profiles um, and engaging with field experts through their inquiry projects. To their leading, they have their they're earning hours and doing experiences geared towards leadership and also cultural perspectives. So I would just ask the audience here to kind of revisit the systems and structures you have in place and how might you build some things integrated into how um, you might ask your learners to go outside of the building and experience things that then directly align with some of the things that you're asking them to do. We had the opportunity last year to actually sit down with our learners and have our learners identify our systems and structures that align with the graduate profile to find that the area that we are strongest in is that engaged citizen piece. So how are we providing opportunities for our learners to go out and serve their communities as we are a school about leadership? Oh, I love that challenge so much. If they are, if we look at students or young people as the people that we're truly creating this for, and then they send that challenge back of saying like, hey, this is the area that you guys are really killing it in. And this is the area where we can, you guys have some areas of opportunity. Like there doesn't need to be an outside person or organization that does that. Uh, thank you for sharing that, Andy. Janine, can you speak to that on the statewide level? Yeah, you know, I'm noticing the conversation around street data in the chat. And it's funny because I think, do I have it right here? I hold it up all the time. Oh, see, it's off. It's not even there because I hold it up all the time <laughs> um, to reference the ways in which we're kind of thinking about the kinds of street data that need to come from the field and from communities and young people in their learning to help support a statewide infrastructure that can sustain this conversation um, that um, we like to talk about it sometimes like we're building a statewide research and development network work that connects field practice and policy. And so when we think about this work at the state level, there's the opportunity to um, really think about, you know, Andy just said, like, let's look at what already is in place. And, you know, this kind of stop, start, continue conversation is something that we did last week with all of our educator fellows. What needs to continue? What needs to stop? What needs to start in order to create the space we need to build on this work? Um, and also, um, I would say that, you know, we've been really intentional from the beginning uh, of bringing in community organizations as portrait partners. And at this stage, it's a really light touch. It's, hey, 
we can build a better future of learning together. You're excited to give us feedback on the portrait and be involved. And then we're going to start to build. We have this future of learning network we're building in Nevada to start actually pulling policy, practice, and community together. And I think that what we all know is that learning does happen everywhere and that uh, we need to start making those explicit connections um, between communities and schools. And it's not just the school's responsibility to do that, but it's the edu our educators told us very clearly, oh my gosh, we love that this feels like we need community to make this happen. It can't just happen with us, but what is our role? And, and then how do we bring these people together? So it is community work. It is policy and practice, research and development work. And I think we're starting to surface in this next uh, cohort of work that we'll do now with an actual portrait. Uh, we'll be able to start surfacing um, the kinds of recommendations that need to happen. And it's so great because the Nevada Department of Education is really creating the space for this work to happen. And I know, Andy, you're, um, you just or you mentioned that your students were saying, hey, we need more exposure or we're really doing well with, you know, helping us to create better citizens. Janine, I know that you have brought students alongside in the development that's going on in Nevada. Can you just share a little bit about some of the um, either competencies or skills that students said that they would love to see or uh, as the portrait is being built? Yeah, you know, um, creativity, <laughs> um, creativity. Uh, well, you know, let me back it up. Every single conversation we had with a young person or group of young people had mental health at the top of it. Mm -hmm. And when we unpacked that a little bit more, there was a clear recognition that young people who even maybe themselves felt okay didn't feel that their peers were okay. And I think that what we pulled was this recognition of the integration of like who they are with their experience in school and how isolating um, sometimes their learning experiences feel from the kinds of things they care about, their strengths, their curiosities. And so I don't know that it was like, we want this competency as much as what we received. And quite frankly, not just from young people, but from adults in our community too, was this larger batch of data around what the role of school can be and how it needs to feel and what the relationships and the experiences and environment of school need to be as a result of pointing at this portrait. And so we actually put that question on the front page of our portrait. You can download it on our website. <laughs> and it says like, what are the relationships, experiences, and environments that might bring these shared values to life? And that's really what the work of our educators in schools are and uh, aligned to this work at this moment. And that's actually how we're engaging community as well um, to how they can support those things in schools and also how they can offer those things from where they're at. Um, but the, that integration of the entire whole person was of very critical importance to young people. And I know that, um, thanks for sharing that, Janine. Andy, you've touched on this and um, Janine, I think you have just a little bit and Brandy, I don't would love to hear from you too. Uh, somebody asked in the chat, like, what are the tools to assess that like the work that we're actually doing in the schools are actually meeting those competencies? If anybody wants to chime in and they haven't, please speak to that. Um, what does that look like? What are those measurements? And not just, you know, on an accountability level, but actually progressing towards that. I'll, I'll jump in and just say, since we're early in this work, right, we don't have like a, a portfolio system. I heard Brandy start talking about that. We've talked about from the outset, like portraits, learner profiles that help people reflect on where they're at and then portfolios. I think that's an, uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm was trained as an educator and portfolios were part of the way I was taught to even support uh, teaching many years ago. And so I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think we're just starting to see the ways in which, and, and kind of dance with like, what, 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 what does it mean to have a more expansive conversation around that? What is an exhibition of learning? When people stand up, when they make a podcast about what they have learned, when they've been able to employ those digital skills to share that with somebody, um, you know, is that more or less valid than an essay? <laughs> and like, how do we start to surface all of the ways in which we really can share learning? But I would say for us in Nevada, we have a focus on public displays of learning and learning in public and sharing in public. And and so very early on in this process, we've tried to be very transparent. 
you can see the podcasts of what we've been talking about and how we're learning and how we're growing, but we're really looking at ways to model publicly what is learned. And, you know, in different contexts, the people who need to be in that audience are different, right? And we have schools already in our state that do some really amazing capstone projects and community embedded things. And it's more, it's not, it's like, how do we start to scale that? And then the question I think you might be hitting on, Victoria, is that like, and what role might that have in an accountability process? And I think we're in the very early stages of asking those questions and beginning to work on that. Anybody else want to address that or any orgs that you know that are, you're working alongside to help you do that assessment process? Um, I can speak a little bit to that. Oh, go ahead, Andy. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so we are, are also early in this part of our journey of curating student evidence, but we have been partnering um, with Inquire, which is a digital platform that um, we've been working with. It, it's being used at High Tech High. Um, we learned about it when we went out to deeper learning and we've started using it this year with our teacher cohorts. Um, but it's a place where students are creating their story and it's going to be archived throughout their entire educational journey, K through 12. So they're going to pull from that for their yearly exhibitions. And then we're going to have milestone um, defenses for students in certain grade levels where they'll talk about their growth within the competencies through that platform. It's also going to be used for um, student-led conferences and things like that. But um, it's called Inquire. It's pretty awesome. So uh, you can get on their website. I'll put it in the chat. Thanks for sharing. And I know that um, I was chatting with, I think, Notre Dame uh, Scion out in Kansas City, they use um, the Unruler platform to chart their, that's their platform that they use um, to, they call it their student success model, but it's aligns with their portrait of a graduate as well. Um, another question from the chat in our, uh, from Josh was about um, the research and design process of site visits that allow school teams to travel and observe um, epic examples of portrait processes. Any good examples that um, you guys saw it in the field while you were visiting, or even was that part of your process? So I'll, I'll just share from NGLC's perspective. Um, we absolutely value the power of seeing is believing, um, and we run uh, what we call learning excursions. Um, to visit sites and um, many of them come with the lens, many of the teams that participate come with the lens of, you know, how, what does the learning look like now that we have our portrait of a graduate, we're working on our portrait of a graduate. So I think that uh, is just really becoming more and more of a starting place for folks to think about redesign learning and then being able to see it in practice and engage with other educators and with the learners in those environments. And then also to get a glimpse of what is the culture, what are the conditions that are supporting all this stuff to happen uh, is just really powerful from, from visiting places. And I would just give a plug to, uh, you know, Bullock County and, and Kettle Moraine um, are great places to visit and see great work happening. Um, I haven't been to Nevada, but I'm sure there are great places there as well. Um, and then the other sites that we that we featured and profiled, but I think I think there are a lot of places where you will see different aspects of uh, of this work, and um, so it depends on what you're most interested in and where like the best places to go. And if you anybody that is in the audience that has been to a campus where you feel like they are doing a phenomenal job in that regard, please drop that as well. Go ahead, Brandy, and then we'll have um, a question that we're gonna open up to more questions as we prepare to close. The two places that we have went as a district, to, which has been very helpful to us, as I mentioned earlier, was High Tech High. But this last year, we went to the Assessment for Learning Conference and we went to Sunnyside Elementary um, and had a great experience there. Um, talking about culture, we really got to see how they embed their culture and their graduate profile in their school district. Um, but it was also really inspiring for us because we were, it sparked a conversation for us around what is our district's culture and really how do we embed that in what we do. Um, so both of those are great conferences to go to and see that in action. But I do know, um, in talking to teachers through our design sessions, they said they also see value in seeing that action done within the district. And so um, that's something that we do too, is have model classrooms within our district for cohort teachers to see. Awesome, I love the 
exemplar from within because it's great to see it, you know, in somebody else's um, neighborhood, but it's also it's great practice to see what's going on within your own landscape. Um, another question from the chat is, um, to what degree um, are the campuses and then the state, or I'm sorry, the districts in the state considering uh, micro-credentialing or badging as part of the portrait of a graduate? I know that you hit on a little bit of that, Andy, when you talked about um, the portfolio, but digging even deeper, um, we know that um, I think Janine, you might have hit on this of like learning can happen in any landscape. And if we look at badging and credentialing and learning and certificates, um, it's not just, you know, what I learned in that algebra class, but it's my volunteer opportunity at the library. And I'm learning to become um, more empathetic and working with different um, communities. So it's also that internship, that field experience that you were mentioning. So what degree um, are any of you all working on micro-credentialing or badging for, um, for your young people? I can just add, so from a standpoint of badging, one of our learning environments can perform has been working on developing badges that live within MyLC, their learning platform, where students will submit evidence and earn badges. So that is one way um, in the district that that's happening. I would also say we have utilized micro-credentialing for teachers to move some of the graduate profile work forward where teachers that are very confident in developing opportunities aligned to the graduate profile will facilitate learning opportunities for teachers to help coach and help them embed them into their learning experiences. So that's one way we've done it and utilized it with teachers. I love that pilot of like working with the teachers first and then moving it. Um, we know that that's definitely a path that education is moving in is the micro-credentialing, the badging, and for the learners and the young people to take more ownership. Like it is theirs. Like they learned that. They went through that experience. So it's it doesn't just end at that traditional transcript and then it just dies off, but that they can utilize that and take it with them beyond. Um, we're gonna open up to, we already have some questions. So if you have additional questions, feel free to drop them in the chat. Another question was, do you think the pursuit of a portrait of a graduate, uh, graduate will finally get us out of grading and into competency base? I saw a lot of, a lot of reactions. <laughs> a lot was said <laughs> in those nonverbals right there. Anybody wanna address that? You know, where we're at in our process, it's so it's so clear that like this is adaptive work, right? And it's um it's just even the approach of some some folks in our community would say, well, before we even started, like even before we had a first draft of visualization of data, well, how are you gonna measure it? And we're like, whoa, we just gotta start with <laughs> like who are we? What do we care about? <laughs> why, why school? <laughs> what does this look like? And so I think that um what I what I would say is I think that the portrait, if we approach it with if we're asking questions, if we're asking these questions that that invite us to challenge our assumptions and to shift our paradigm around what school is, I think it can lead us down a lot of these paths. And I think that the challenge and the opportunity of doing it in a co-creative way with the community is that you move at the speed of that trust in that process, right? And so um, it, uh, you know, I think there's a, a continuum of folks who have ideas around badging and micro-credentialing and what it could look like tomorrow. And then, you know, like, uh, you know, I've watched grading reform conversations go down and it's, and it's you know, just, there's such a continuum. And so I think, when I think about this work at a state level, again, it's like, what are the all the different points of entry and how can we continue to bring people together to model what's possible and then, you know, connect them in that learning so that the things that are working and the things that are exciting can, can move out of one context much more quickly. And for the sake of time, I'm gonna, I know somebody else might wanna answer that um, on the panel, but we're going to uh, address a couple of more questions. Um, how does the, graduate profile integrate with your strategic plan or your school board work? I know that Brandy, I believe. Um, Mason, is it possible for us to pull up that slide or get that prepared so Brandy can, because they have a really great graphic about how the strategic uh, plan, the, the um, portrait of a graduate and the district's commitment to their students all work in tandem. And so we can definitely address that. 
And then while we're waiting on Mason to get that, um, Gretchen, would you mind chiming in on the Wyoming portrait of a graduate, which is, I hear, phenomenal? I'd be happy to. I was just trying to write a long chat and I was like, oh, it's getting hard. So thanks. For <laughs> Uh, I will also call out too, there's really good work uh, at the state level in Kentucky about this too. Um, in addition to the local work that you all are doing, Brandy, which also, hello, what's up, Billy County? Uh, one of our three members. Um, there's, there's, there's a great local work happening in Kentucky, like you've heard about here. And there's, there's this group of other districts, all of whom are doing things to try and work with communities to reimagine accountability and assessment. And a graduate profile has been sort of a linchpin in that for a number of them, for all the reasons you can easily imagine. Um, and the thing I think that's really interesting from a state perspective about that is that the initial inquiry was really sponsored by the state and is really uh, continues to be sponsored by both the chief and the state board. And also hello to board member, future board member who's on the call today I'm from Kentucky. But um, <clears throat> that creates a really interesting opportunity for the profile not only to be implemented to help drive instructional shifts, but for the profile to be used to also revisit areas of policy, right? So in Kentucky, they definitely have their eye on uh, like, you know, assessment and accountability policy, you know, maybe graduation policy. Um, there's some districts who are really curious about accreditation too, and um, trying to figure out if there's a different way to do that, um, that would be more powerful in terms of the profile helping create a sort of common basis in language for local accountability. So that's one area. Wyoming, <clears throat> their state board uh, was asked by their legislature to create graduation standards, and they didn't want to just do that <laughs> and instead uh, sponsored a, a really inclusive but also responsive statewide process, uh, not only to build a profile, which they did through all, all kinds of you know diverse input means similar to what you all have described today, but also to test a draft of that back out with communities by facilitating local community conversations where that test wasn't just do you like the content of the profile, it was like, so what do you need us to do to be able to implement this in your schools and districts with quality? And then their, their response, their immediate response actually was to revisit the state standards because the feedback they heard from the field was the number of high school standards is makes this impossible. We can't actually be committed to that full list of standards and be committed to the outcomes that we value in this profile. And so um, I think Wyoming is a good example of a state agency where the implementation response actually started at the state level, not by directing things or demanding things, but by flexing things uh, to create space for locals to do more interesting uh, work. Other, hopefully some other states are taking note. Um, thank you for sharing that, Gretchen. Like I really appreciate you saying, stating about uh, the state's flexing as opposed to like imposing. Um, I'm gonna go to Brandy. I know some we mentioned before, how do they all work in tandem together? If you wanna speak um, real briefly about how all of these yeah. tie. Absolutely, and I will also say she mentioned Kentucky. I'm on the Kentucky Now Do We Learn Council that's working on the accountability policy. So if anybody has any questions that can, can help with that, just feel free to send me something on Twitter and I can send you all the things. Um, so these three documents for us really are our North Star. Um, they guide the work that we do. If you look at the core values, which is all the way to the left, um, that's who we are. That is that is who anybody is in our district, teacher, parent, student, community member. That's what we believe. In, and we talk about these and we thought them often. And it really does drive our work when we're in a meeting and we're like, you know, what what is it that we do? We go back to our core values and that helps us to make the best decision possible. The middle document, that is our expert expectations, our aspiration statements. That's what we are expected to do. And then our graduate profile is our definition of student success. And so all three of those things are our North Star and they all kind of work together. Thank you for highlighting that, Brandy. And I apologize earlier. I think we just skipped right over that slide, but it all worked out because we were able to circle back to that. I'm going to go to the chat real quick for one last question um, before we tie it all up. Um, I think someone asked about the integration of teacher evaluation and teacher hiring to the portrait of a graduate and um, about some of the onboarding that's necessary. I think, Brandy, you hit on that just a touch about when um, teachers join, but uh, Janine or Andy, would you like to speak to how um, how do you welcome people along that journey that's already started? I can share. 
Um, so one of the things that we try to do, especially because in some of our learning environments, there's a little bit of a learning curve jumping into them because of our systems and structures we have in place and the integration of field experiences and opportunities beyond the building. So we like to try to help um, bring people that are new to our team along by having opportunities to co-teach with a teacher that's already doing some of those things. So instead of sending someone off on their own and expecting them to do it right away, that whole notion of pairing and learning alongside someone in their journey as they transition into our environment. So looking for opportunities like that um, has been super helpful. Add really quick, um, another example from um, Da Vinci schools that uh, we share in the, the stories of um, Portrait of a Graduate in Practice. And um, in those schools, the uh, learners are involved in the interview process um, of their teachers. And I see the, the head nods, right? Um, it really shifts and changes when learners um, are able to uh, think about, you know, what is it that they want in their teachers and be able to provide feedback through that hiring process. It's just one step of uh, shaping the culture and, uh, and, and giving students the opportunity to develop these kinds of skills in a real world uh, environment where they are part of the interview process. So I think there's, uh, you know, really great opportunity and synergy that comes when you really think about how a district operates, um, you know, from start to finish and the learning experience for students within that. It's awesome. Um, we'd love to, of course, again, we're not doing this for them, we're doing this alongside them. And so that what better model and example um, to do that. I know that we mentioned it just a touch of just thinking about how knowing that developing a portrait of a graduate is an iterative process and the landscape of work and skills have shifted. Um, and then there's some items that are just more at the forefront now, such as sustainability and AI and things of that nature. Hopefully not just these districts, but also all of our audience members, you all are thinking and bringing alongside students where these are very, um, you know, not just like trendy topics. These are actually near and dear to a lot of our students. I heard that when Janine mentioned um, the mental health, it's this is mental health is not going away. Like we've been through, a, it was a global traumatic experience. So now more than ever, it's imperative that those key pieces to support, not just our young, uh, young people, but also the people that serve the young people from the bus driver to the custodian to the district personnel every day. How are we doing that? Um, so just some points to consider as we're moving forward. I am so grateful for this amazing time with this stellar crew. I, the, the, again, the chat was just electric and on fire. I am so grateful for all of the shared learning that has happened. There are a ton of resources that will be shared at the conclusion. Um, so just check your email very soon. Again, hopefully everybody will just jump on Twitter or LinkedIn and share one of their key learnings or even something that's going to, an intention that they're going to set for themselves as they work, whether it's in their state their district, their campus, or um, alongside other young learners. So thank you guys for joining us today. So grateful to have you all. Um, enjoy the rest of your great day. Thanks for tuning in to the Getting Smart podcast today. We want this podcast to be actionable, insightful, and a great way to learn about what's next in learning. In order to stay on the cutting edge, we need people in the field to tell us what they're hearing, what they're wanting, and what they're needing to learn more about. Got a topic or a guest in mind? Send your recommendations to me, Mason at gettingsmart.com. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave a review in Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. Feel free to share the podcast on social media using the hashtag GSPodcasts. Thanks so much.